Yeah, so Amy, thank you very much for joining us on what is going to be episode one of the, the soon-to-be-famous duos podcast. What I was just going to do was start off with the story of how we met. I was at a local brewery in our neighborhood with my dog. Amy and Tim came in, I think maybe around the same time, or um, and you guys had your dog pilot as well. We did. And uh, we got to chatting, and then thankfully my wife Sarah came in, so you knew that I wasn't just a weird guy <laughs> there with my dog. Um, we didn't think that. Yeah, well, <laughs> it would have been okay if you did. Um, but Sarah was a nice bonus. Yes. That was very, that was wonderful to meet her also. And she brought her other dog. Yes, which, so, even better. So that was even better. And yeah, we just, we just kind of kept chatting um, through the evening. And then right at the end when you guys were leaving, you very kindly just wrote your phone numbers, your names and phone numbers down uh, on a coaster, actually. Old it was a nice, way. nice little touch. You know, I think we texted back and forth between between the four of us, and then we ended up making plans uh, to meet up for beer at a different place. We did, and we were really surprised when you guys texted because we have experienced the Seattle freeze, okay. <laughs> which is we have found to be where you give your number or your contact information to someone that you meet, and they say oh yeah, that's great, we'd love to hang out, yeah, we'll totally call you, and then they never do. Yeah. That is my experience with Seattle Freeze. So we laughed when you guys texted, and we were like, oh, they're from L.A., that's why. That's why, yeah. <laughs> they're not from here, they don't, they don't, they don't have the Seattle Freeze. So that's funny, because we have experienced, well, we heard about it before we got here, the, the Seattle Freeze, and we've experienced it a little bit, but as you, now that you know me a little bit better, you know that I am quite persistent, and I'll just keep, talking to people. <laughs> so I found that that was our way of kind of breaking through that. Hopefully not to be annoying, but I guess I'm not the best judge of that. Um, yeah, no, it was great. I still have you in my phone as Daniel Lantern okay. because I didn't know your last name when right. I put the number in and that was the name of the brewery. So you are forever Daniel Lantern That's. Me. I'm happy to be that. <laughs> um, or, I mean, what we've done as well is got to know pe the name of people's dogs way before we learn person's name. I, I, you guys were Tim and Amy, but you could have just as easily been pilot parrot number one and <laughs> pilot parrot number two. So yeah, just, just to kind of give us a sense, um, Tim's not here today because uh, it's three o'clock on a Wednesday. Some one of us has to work. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is working. This counts as working. Um, but I think kind of what I wanted to do initially was just get a sense of how you guys met, what your timeline's been in terms of where you've moved, how you guys have progressed in your in your careers and, and things like that. Yeah, so we've moved around a good bit over our, Wilfred, Tim and I, I guess if you count, as long as we've known each other 20 years together, okay. roughly. So we met at college in Colorado. I'm originally from Connecticut. He's originally from Illinois. So we were both transplants in that area too. When I moved to Colorado to go to Colorado State, I didn't know Seoul. So he was actually one of the first people that I met and we started dating, eventually got married and he moved back to Connecticut with me after, after college. Okay. And so in New England, everyone's from New England. Everyone stays in New England. Everyone has friends that they've grown up with since elementary school. And so interestingly, people there don't tend to be looking for new friends. Mm -hmm. So. Fortunately for us, I had friends because I did grow up there. So we connected with those people a bit and we did manage to make a few new friends, mostly through hobbies. Uh, we, I was a horseback rider, so our best friends owned the farm where I rode. But we never got a friend group in Connecticut. We mm -hmm. had 
my friends from high school and we had my horse friends and we had we actually made friends with uh, we had a Nielsen box at the time you know that like yeah. tracks ratings for TV shows yeah we made friends with the Nielsen guy who used to come like check the ratings every <laughs> month so then we had those friends but we never really got them to connect and so when I had an opportunity to move for work to the DC area um, we decided this was a great opportunity to go be in the city and, and try on city life because we were really I, at the time, would have called it suburbs, but looking back on it now, it was more country. Like, we were on an acre of land. and Yeah, in New England, that, that line between suburbs and, and the country is, is kind of blurred yeah, in a lot it of places. Yeah, it is. So when we moved to D.C., it was going to be the same situation. We wouldn't know anyone. And so Tim, my husband, is was then and is now very active on Ram Nation, which is a Colorado State University sports forum of some kind. Okay. And so he said to me, he's like, well, I know this guy that posts on the CSU forums and maybe I should send him a note and see if he wants to meet for a beer. And I was like, well, you might as well because we have nothing to lose and we don't know anyone. And it turned out that person was really plugged into a huge group of friends in DC. And not only that, we met him and his girlfriend at the time for a beer and instantly just really connected with them mm -hmm. and were immediately plugged into this huge group of really, really awesome people. So our first really big move experience, we just, I mean, we hit the friend jackpot. Yeah. We, no one gets that lucky. Yeah. And so leaving, we were only there for three years, but leaving that group of friends was tough and they are still probably some of our closest friends closer than friends that i had from childhood and high school and and i think tim also so leaving that group was a tough decision when we decided again for my career to come out to seattle mm -hmm. yeah that's interesting you mentioned crossing the threshold with one person that you maybe didn't know but then that person kind of acts as a bit of a gateway hopefully to a wider group of friends and if you have that one person in common it's a lot easier yeah. to kind of get together and branch out. Um, so that's interesting you brought that up. So just kind of backtracking to the move from college to Connecticut, was the ease with which you would be able to create social groups, did you guys factor that into the move or was it purely purely work-related? Did you want to be back closer to family? Um, I actually moved back because I was going to grad school at University of Connecticut okay. for equine science at the okay. time. So we moved back for that. And no, I can't say that for that move, we gave making friends a lot of consideration because I was originally from there. And yep. so we had family and we had friends already there. Be a great question for Tim. Like, how did that factor into his decision to move back to Connecticut with me? Because he wouldn't have known anybody. When you were meeting up with your friends or, or your family, was Tim always, always a part of that? Yeah, so when we, and we would have been just married then and we did everything together. Yeah. If I went somewhere, he went with me. Family events, friend events, like 99% of the time it was, it was couples. Um, that definitely changed um, after Connecticut. And mm -hmm. again, because I think in New England, people, at least then, and now we're talking 10 years ago now, but at least then tended to marry earlier, mm -hmm. younger than what I noticed to be the case in DC. Mm -hmm. And I think also in Seattle. And I don't know, I think it's probably a combination of the location of, a, of an urban environment versus a suburban environment of an environment where you have a transient population versus an environment where you have 
people who have roots there and have mm-hmm. had roots there for many years. Um, and also just sort of a changing of, of the times. I think people are getting married later now than they did 10 years ago. I think they're, they're older when they get married, older when they have children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, kind of talking about New England as a place, Sarah and I having gone to college there and then living there afterwards, we found that you, like from a social standpoint, you kind of need references. <laughs> you like, do. It's very unlikely. I mean, outside of, I guess, the main urban centers, it's very unlikely that you would just kind of start chatting to someone at a bar in rural Connecticut or rural Maine and create a friendship with that person. Yeah. I mean, um, they'll talk to you. Yeah. They'll, they'll be oh, yeah. happy to have a conversation with you. But it's almost like the Seattle freeze. It's that same kind of like... Yeah, that was great. Love talking to you. But in the back of their minds, and I know this because it was in the back of my mind when I when I grew up there, I was like, but I don't need new friends. I yeah. have friends. Yeah. And so there is just kind of this barrier there that I didn't find. And I didn't know about this, by the way, until I moved away from Connecticut. And then I came back again. Mm-hmm. And people would always say, people from New England aren't friendly. And I was like, I don't think that people from New England are really friendly. And they are. Mm-hmm. But sort of in the same way, Seattle people are also friendly they may not be so eager to like be your new best buddy and go meet up again and hang out. Like that's going to take a lot more work, I thought, mm-hmm. there and possibly even in Seattle. But in Seattle, you have a lot more transient people, especially with the tech industry growing like it is. There's so many people coming here who, who don't know anyone. And Connecticut um, at that time, and I think probably now still, didn't quite have that. So I think being in an urban center in a place where you have a lot of people who who are looking for new friends mm-hmm. who don't know anyone there is a, a huge advantage in trying to connect in a new place. Yeah, and just to touch on that last point uh, in Connecticut is you said that people were getting married kind of earlier and it's interesting how when certain life events happen, like when you get married, it's like your social groups start to kind of crystallize mm-hmm. a little bit and then the next life event, you know, whether it's having kids or settling into a career or whatever it is, you know, you kind of get this sense that that your social group is is maybe narrowing, but definitely kind of crystallizing. Yes. Um, and you potentially become less open to bringing new people in, into that. And I think a big part of it is you maybe have a little bit less time as yes. life, life I'm goes sure, along. I'm sure that's um, true for us. And I'm sure it's even more true for couples who have children. Yeah. Um, I was fascinated when we moved away from Connecticut and into um, Washington, D.C. to find all of a sudden that that experience I talked about earlier where Tim and I did everything together like 99% of the time it was Mm -hmm. us and another couple. That kind of went away. We got there and we were like, why are we the only people who are married? We were like, I don't know, 32. And everyone around us was our age and single. Mm -hmm. And it was bizarre after coming from Connecticut and even from where we lived in Colorado during college. Like it was just a weird experience. And so all of a sudden Tim was doing like guys night out and I was doing girls book club. And there were all of these like men's and women's separate events. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of that had to do with the fact that a lot of those people were single. Mm -hmm. And so trying to figure out how to be friends, how to make friends and maintain friendships as a couple with people who are not yet couples is was a whole nother ball game. Yeah, I think that that's a fairly common phenomenon. When you're totally new and you're you're kind of, I wouldn't, I don't want to say desperate to make new friends, but it's important. <laughs> it's important to it make is. you feel like you belong. You adapt. So you guys kind of 
split off and started doing a lot of your own things. Yeah, which we um, found to be really fun. And, and it didn't come without any kind of, like, I don't want to make it sound like it was all, like, happiness and perfection and yeah. there were no ribbing points. Like, sometimes I would be like, what do you mean you're, like, rolling in here at 2 in the morning because you've been out bar hopping around D.C.? Like, that wasn't a thing you could easily do in yeah. Connecticut. You had to drive everywhere. Like, things were far apart. People were busy. People... It just didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was a thing that kind of became something we had to work through in our marriage was all of a sudden this time where we're doing our own thing and, and kind of trying to understand how to fit that together. Yeah. So how did you guys figure out that issue? Um, well, we argued about it. Okay. <laughs> like every married couple. <laughs> we, we argued about it sometimes for sure. But mostly it, it became, I think, really good for our marriage because it was about giving each other space. Mm -hmm. And um, I, we, I think we both found, um, as much as we love spending time together as couples, and that was always, even in D.C. and here, like something we continue to do and, and I think is probably generally our preference. It's, it is nice to kind of have your own thing now and then, and we just weren't used to that. And it became about balance. So mm -hmm. he's going to go out, you know, with the guys to watch football. So then I would get together with the women and we would go meet up at a wine bar. I know mm -hmm. that sounds so cliche, but, no, that, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we, yeah. I'm not into sports. And yeah. so um, we, we would just find ways to kind of divide up that time. So no one, I never, and I don't think he did either. I never felt like I was stuck at home and he was out having a great time. Right. Um, but I think that, I think having that experience of having to maintain our own individual lives in addition to having our life together has made our marriage stronger mm -hmm. for our next move. So it's kind of like you guys went off to the extremes where you're almost exclusively doing things apart and then kind of reined it back into a good so, average. So that we're, yeah, because in Connecticut it was like too much, too much couple stuff mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, no, no significant time of just our own friendships like you used to have when you were in college. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that, and that also helped to set us up for success when we came to Seattle because obviously the goal is to create a group of friends that we can hang out with as couples. And, and I know the whole reason that we're having this conversation and you're doing this podcast and creating duos is because finding friends as a couple is twice as hard yeah. as finding yeah. friends as an individual. Um, Matchmaking so, for four instead of two, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think um, that experience of learning how to make both, kind, both kinds of friends and maintain those different types of friendships has really helped us. When you guys moved here, it was for your for your work, uh, and Tim was still working from home at that point. Mm -hmm. So that was something I wanted to ask, and it's, it's kind of based on personal experience. When Sarah and I uh, got married and lived in LA, she was working at Children's Hospital, and I was working from home. And what we found was that, you know, we were perfectly happy to, I think we kind of found our average like you guys did, where we were doing stuff separately and then some stuff together. But one of our, might be kind of strong to call it a friction point, but one of the things we kind of had to, to work through was wanting to hang out at different times and doing different things, even with the events that we wanted to do as a couple. So to, to give a, a, a more concrete example, like, um, you know, Sarah would be on her feet 
all day, interacting with people, mm -hmm. putting out fires, things like that. Whereas I was working from home, sitting in front of my computer. So, you know, come five or 5.30, when we would both end up back home, or I had been home for a while and she <laughs> came back home, um, you know, I was kind of chomping at the bit to go out and be social. And I usually, you know, I usually wanted her to come along with, because when we were in LA, a lot of our friends were couples as well. And she kind of had the opposite reaction. She's like, I just got home from work. All I want to do is just chill. So did you guys have that same kind of issue? We definitely had that issue because I was traveling for my last job. Mm -hmm. So I traveled 75% of my time. And so when I would get home on a Friday afternoon, and I've been in, in California or Utah or wherever all week long, I was like, oh, all I want to do is be home and watch TV. And he has been home all week, yeah. taking care of the dog, taking care of the house. And he's like, all right, where are we going? Yeah. And, and so, yes, we definitely struggled with that. And, and I, I will take credit for this. Largely, I bit the bullet. Okay. Largely, okay. I knew that he had been there doing that all week. And, and I thought, you know what? He wants to get out this is part of being married, right? right? And, and how bad is it, right? We're gonna go somewhere nice for dinner and have a, have a nice couple of drinks and, and a meal. So most of the time I would bite the bullet and, and we would go out and I would always have a good time. But now that I'm not working, I have noticed that doesn't come up at all anymore. Both of us wanna go out all the time and it's great. But yeah, it is definitely something that you have to find some amount of compromise with. Yeah. Yeah, and to Sarah's credit, she did the same thing. Did as she? She, whereas I think <laughs> she was just like, nice. All right, how bad could it be? Um, yep. But it was it was an interesting dynamic. Yeah. To kind of work through, and I think the world we live in, where it's more likely than ever that at least one person will be working from home, I would assume that it's that dynamic is is something that's more prevalent that needs to be worked through. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, throughout the last ten years, I think one or both of us have always been working from home. Yeah. I mean, me with varying degrees of travel, but. Um, it's it's been a long time since we've had two people going off to work every morning and coming home at night and I I often wonder about how common that scenario is now yeah I ex often wonder about both people working from home and what that you, oh know, my gosh. you guys did that <laughs> we did that we okay. did um, his desk on one wall my desk on the other wall okay. and, and luckily I wasn't there every day because I traveled but the days that I was there we shared an office and um, whoever had whoever got on the phone first got the office and the other person had to go take their conference call in the living room. Got it. <laughs> Did you find on those days where you were both working from home, you were less likely to be social in the evening? Um, no, I think those days we were definitely both ready to go out by okay. the end of the day. Okay. And so. it was really funny because when we were doing that, it was when we lived in DC. And so all of our friends went off to work in suits and ties because yeah. that is the DC thing every day. And so they would want to meet up for happy hour. And we would have been working from home in our sweatpants and t-shirts all day long. And so both of us would get dressed up to yeah. go out to meet them <laughs> for beers so we wouldn't look out of place. Yes, yeah. when Sarah and I were in LA, um, we, partly to meet new people, we joined uh, the LA Athletic Club and we would have to do the same thing. You know, I would have been working from home. So, you know, this is my general attire, yeah. beachwear and flip-flops. <laughs> and Sarah, you know, Sarah doesn't dress super formal, but this place had a dress code. So we'd find ourselves doing exactly the same thing. It's a very weird, it is uh, weird. weird feeling, like putting on something, something smarter to, to go, go out, out yeah. for drinks after work. Yeah, yeah. it's usually the opposite. Right? <laughs> usually you take off your tie and your jacket or put on more comfortable shoes or something like that. So yeah, but as we were saying, I think that that's more and more prevalent. Okay, so you guys 
are in Seattle now. You've got your social social groups, but because of the you know the story of how we first met, you guys are are still open to making new friends and I guess forming new social groups. So when you do that, do you find that it's based more? You mentioned previously that you guys had kind of made friends through activities. Are, are you still doing that, or are you approaching it in different ways as well? We were a little more lazy when we came to Seattle because when we went to DC. Tim was working from home and I was traveling. So we had no way of making friends at work mm -hmm. there. Here, Tim's working in an office. So we were able to kind of leverage some friendships out of that. Although honestly, not a lot of close friendships, more like people we see from time to time for happy hour. We knew one friend um, that we interestingly met at a destination wedding in Costa Rica okay. for a friend in DC. And this was one of their friends who was also attending the wedding, and she had moved from D.C. to Seattle. And so we had met her there, and so when we knew we were moving, we were like, okay, we have one person that we actually know yep. in the Seattle area. And, and I would say everywhere we have gone, that's the key. You just need one. There should be a term for it, but I don't know what it is, but a gateway friend, yeah. right? Yeah, and honestly, so that's exactly what it you, is, yeah. You meet one friend and then you just kind of steal their friends from them. And that's mm -hmm. basically what we did. Well, we didn't steal them. She still has those right. friends, but we sort of um, wriggled our way into her friend group. Um, so that's how we've met most of the people that we, that we know here was through her and her friends and uh, meeting up with them at happy hours. And actually, one of the things that we did the first year we were here, I think we got to Seattle in May, and our last name is Rudolph. And so we always have a Christmas party every year because it just seems like an obligation. Right. Um, so we had always done that. So when we moved to Seattle, we're like, well, we only know one person that we can invite <laughs> to our Christmas party. Um, so we cut a deal. And I told her, I'm like, look, can, can we just borrow your friends? We're going to throw yeah. the party. We're going to have it at our house. We're going to buy all the stuff. And we'll co-host it. It'll be our house and your friends. And it worked great. Um, we had like 35 people who came that year and we made a ton of connections. And it, it, was, a, it was a big success and we've had that Christmas party every year since. That's, so that's, that's an awesome idea. Host a party and invite your friends' friends. Invite <laughs> someone else's yeah. friends. Yeah, that's great. No, <laughs> but it, it's funny, you're talking about that, that gateway friend. That's definitely what we're gonna call them from now until forever. Awesome. Um, but there's, there's also a certain degree of trust because if you know that person well and you like that person, then there's a good chance that whoever they've decided to make friends with shares some of those same qualities. Yeah. And so that's the power of that, that gateway person. It's not just access to a wider group of people, it's access to a wider group of people, like we were saying before, with references. Yes. You know, um, we found that as well. But it is still work, right? You know, you have to try and stay in contact with people. You have to make sure that you're doing new and exciting stuff whenever possible. You want to make sure when you kind of make a new friend, uh, whether it's completely organically or through a connection, that you don't end up, if you, if you enjoy spending time with those people, that you don't end up uh, boring them or kind of doing the same thing over and over again. Have you guys found that? We have found that it's important to maintain friendships, which means you have to put effort into them or mm -hmm. they just sort of disappear. We do try to put some effort into making sure we invite people out. And 
we like breweries and so brewery happy hours are a really good way to do that and, and that is the easiest way that we've found to kind of keep some of those things going yeah and if it's your like local brewery or your favorite one it's a really nice you kind of take ownership of that maybe not quite as much as the christmas party but like yeah. that's your brewery happy hour um, and that that kind of feels good if you can introduce especially people that are from here or people that have been here longer to a new place that you've discovered yeah and it's a good way to try to connect your friends together into one cohesive group so taking those people that you've met you know somebody from work and somebody from my stolen group of friends and and like you guys that we met at a random brewery and getting them into one place so that now they all know each other and that that takes time and it takes effort because now now that you've invited two people who don't know each other, now you've taken on the additional responsibility of helping them get to know each other and helping right. them to feel comfortable. And so creating friendships in a new city is a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been fun to see like our friends start to connect together. And then even after that, like that next step where you find out that two of those people got together and went hiking or something. Yeah, you, that's the best. Yeah, yeah. you kind of can take some amount of pride in that. Like I made that happen. I set that up. Right. Um, yeah, I kind of, if I was to visualize it, it's kind of like the seating chart at your wedding when you're putting people at the same tables, but just kind of continuous versions of that, like yes. kind of refreshed versions of that. But that is kind of fun when you know everyone involved and you, you know that these people would like these people or these people like to do the same thing. Yeah, it um, is that, that happiness that you get from putting them together. And I know um, my friend Lindsay, who I was talking about that I met at the wedding in, mm -hmm. in Costa Rica, way back when I was in DC, I remember my friend Nate had said to me, oh, you should meet Lindsay Gretto. She lives in Seattle. You'll love her. And I was like, yeah, totally. And in the back of my mind, I was like, ugh. Lindsay Gretto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably hate her. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, like, I was telling her that story and she said the same thing. She's like, yeah, Nate was telling me that you'll really like this Amy girl. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll love her. And she's like, ugh, probably hate her. She's kind of stupid. <laughs> and now that's, we're like the best friends. <laughs> yeah. But that's funny that that's, that's the default. And uh, yeah, I think that that's what creates maybe some anxiety for people looking to extend their social groups is you're putting yourself out there and at the very best the person has a neutral perception of you but i think as we've taken our our social interactions online and become less and less comfortable doing things face to face yeah. there's this this fear or this concern that turning around and talking to the person sitting next to you at a brewery or something you're going to really freak them out and there that's, is you do have to have that kind of awareness and like, so with that, can I tell my Zimbabwe story? Oh yeah, this is like, I was actually gonna, I was gonna end with this, but we'll, Oh, uh, do you want me to wait? I don't uh, know. No, no, let's, let's do it now. So, <laughs> so for, for our listeners, when, um, when we met Sarah and Dan at the brewery and we gave them our number and then they called like, or texted a couple of days later and said, um, do you guys want to get together? And so I said to my husband, well, yeah this is great they seem great we should just have a safe word just in case they turn out to be crazy and we want to get out of there we have you know some kind of word that we can say so that the other one will know that it's time to leave and my husband laughed at me and he goes oh, like what like zimbabwe and i laughed because this word like came from nowhere we have no connections to zimbabwe no plans to travel there and i was like yeah yeah, okay, that's a perfect word. I'm like, I can work it into a conversation. We're thinking of traveling to Zimbabwe. I've always wanted to go to Zimbabwe. But it's so, way obscure enough that it just wouldn't come what, up. Otherwise. Out of left field. Yeah. So 
fast forward, now we're at the brewery for our, our second couple's date with Sarah and Dan. And my husband and Dan go to the bar to get another beer. And so I'm making conversation with Sarah and I said, so where are you guys from? And she says to me, well, Dan's from Zimbabwe. And I just <laughs> bust out laughing and probably look like a complete idiot. And she's probably like, what is wrong with this woman? And the two of them come back from the bar. And I said to my husband, like, guess where Dan's from? And Tim's like, I don't know. And I'm like, Zimbabwe. <laughs> He just started laughing. And at laughing. that point, he started packing his stuff <laughs> to, uh, to leave. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very random and yeah. very funny. So when we had to wait like a, another like what did we wait like four more four more dates? Yeah. Before we told you guys yeah. the story, I was like, I can't wait to tell him because it's really funny, but I don't want to tell him too early. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, you know, I've had a lot of different reactions when when I tell people I'm from Zimbabwe, but. Very rarely do, do people start laughing, and so <laughs> well, that's good. You know, that, I guess that's. But I remember, like, I actually didn't didn't even remember because when you guys brought it up, you know, four times later or whatever, um, you kind of had to had to refresh my memory. But then I did kind of remember, and I remember kind of just like letting it go because like uh, I'm used to different reactions. But um, <laughs> I think that's the best story ever, and I think that I think that everyone's escape word should be Zimbabwe. <laughs> On any time you meet up with anyone on duos, I think universally we should just make that. I think like, that's a great across idea. Across the board. So we've coined <laughs> two things now. We've coined gateway friend and we've coined the safe word or escape word Zimbabwe. So I think I think that's good. I think we did our work. I think that makes this a successful podcast. Yeah. Um, very last thing I wanted to do was just see if you guys uh, have any advice. You guys have had a lot of experiences. You've traveled a lot. You're both really smart, well-educated people. You're very aware of what's going on around you socially. So, you know, let's say that you are a couple in their early 30s and you've moved to a new city. It doesn't necessarily have to be Seattle. Probably for a job, I think that's usually why people are moving these days. Did you guys have any take-home advice for people looking to branch out socially? I know we touched on a few things during our, our general conversation, but yeah. I want to see if there was any take-home points that you guys had learned. Uh, I would revisit the couple that I mentioned before, which is have a party and use borrowed friends um, if that's an option for you. And also just not being afraid to put yourself out there and not be afraid when you're out somewhere and you meet somebody who seems cool to say, hey, here's my number, give me a call. Yeah. Um, if they don't, there's really no no loss there. I wouldn't, I guess you have to be willing and able to not take that personally if they don't, especially if you're in Seattle. Um, that's just part of the freeze. You have to ask at least three or four times before um, people actually respond. Um, the other thing that I've done both in DC and here is I had little personal cards printed out, um, like little business cards mm -hmm. that have our names. They just say, hi, we're Tim and Amy, and it has our Twitter handles and our phone numbers and email addresses on the cards. And Honestly, I know that sounds really lame and old-fashioned, oh. but people think they're adorable yeah. because they are adorable. <laughs> and um, that has they're fun to hand out, and, and we've had actually some pretty good success. We talked about maybe just like sprinkling them on car windshields in the neighborhood, yeah. but then we decided maybe that's a good idea. <laughs> that's coming on a bit strong, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think, I, but I think really the most important thing is just not being afraid to put yourself out there. Yeah, yeah. And if I had to take duos from something which is happening online to something which is happening in the physical world, I think effectively that's what your duo's profile is. It's maybe it's that high where Tim and Amy 
business card. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, I mean, best case scenario, that's what it would be, and that would be awesome. And yet, to your other point about just kind of putting yourself out there, being on the other side of that, when you guys chatted with us and then uh, gave us your numbers, it was, it was, it was a great feeling for us, because it was like. Nice. We're not super weird, and people actually want to hang out with us. <laughs> so thank you guys for that. You're welcome. Because that was awesome. It and, worked out uh, great. Yeah, and thank you for being on. Please say thanks to Tim for kind of letting you share uh, his experiences and, and his stories. I will. Thanks. Thanks for having me.